This is the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, the crisis at the U.S. Embassy in Iraq has finally calmed down as demonstrators leave the area. Violence erupted earlier this week as supporters of Iran-backed militias attacked the facility. Diplomats were trapped inside as U.S. troops and Iraqi security forces clashed with protesters. The turmoil has highlighted rising tensions between the U.S. and Iran, with Iraq stuck in the middle, otherwise known as a proxy. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Uh, You know, it's important to understand that this uh, conflict is taking place within the context of the breakdown of the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, The United States has been trying to put economic pressure on Iran uh, to try to bring it back to the table. And Iran has been uh, retaliating. It seized a British tanker, attacked Saudi, Saudi oil facilities. And so this act at the embassy is its latest attempt to try to uh, respond to the United States. All right, well, great to be back here with you today. I'll bring you up to speed on all the latest on the uh, embassy in Iraq and what is unfolding in the Middle East and how the U.S. will respond and what we might see in the not-too-distant future. But first, welcome. Happy New Year to you. Merry Christmas. We're still in the season of Christmas as well, and I just want to say it's great to be back. Can't wait to uh, take a look at life with you today. I hope you can stay with me for the next three hours because we have a lot to get into. And uh, you're always welcome here. You know that. We'll talk a little later, too. I'd like to hear from you. But uh, the number, if you ever want to join the conversation, really simple. It's 888-914-9149. 888 Stick that in the speed dial. And feel free to sound off. Share your views. Ask your questions. Be part of the great conversation that we have here Every single day. So, hey, it was a fairly quiet Christmas holiday news-wise. I've always been monitoring the news until about this past Friday, right? And the big story, the big thing that unfolded was, uh, (laughs) not to be too literal, but (laughs) you could say things literally exploded, right, in Iraq. A rocket attack was launched against a military base in uh, the northern Iraqi city of uh, Kirkuk and wounded six, killed a uh, U.S. civilian contractor. And then, of course, the U.S., retaliated on Sunday with airstrikes, and uh, they struck both in Iraq as well as Syria, and this was against uh, an Iranian-backed group um, you know, called the uh, Qahati Hezbollah, which had killed about 24 militia men, wounded 50 others. It didn't take long, though, for Iran to respond by stirring up a mob and invading really a heavily fortified green zone in Baghdad. They stormed the U.S. Embassy compound. I know you probably have seen some of this on the, the news by now or read about it. Unfortunately, the crowd didn't get much further than, than the gates and really the reception building. They set that on fire. But um, it wasn't a big crowd, but it wasn't just the crowd that we had to be worried about. Uh, part of the you know negotiation for withdrawal, supposedly, was that they wanted the Iraqi parliament to consider a measure that would force U.S. troops to leave Iraq. Now, if that happens... And if you think about what happened in 2011 when we withdrew, what happened? ISIS came back in and uh, gained strength in and, uh, and momentum. And there's a real concern. Our absence will once again um, allow that to happen. We'll talk coming up in just a second with Jim, uh, Jim Phillips. We'll get his take. He joins us from the uh, Heritage Foundation. He's a research fellow for Middle Eastern Affairs there. But uh, first, let me just share with you a little bit of what Defense Secretary Mark Esper said to CBS about this crisis. Listen in. This obviously crossed the line for us, and uh, we responded with attacks, strikes on um, multiple sites by uh, of uh, Khatib Hezbollah, which is an Iran-sponsored terrorist group. And I think we spot we responded at the direction of the president quite forcefully. 
and um, and it was a very bold and decisive move, and uh, asserted our right of self-defense and the fact that uh, we will act in order to defend our personnel and our interests in the region. Yeah, Was it the right thing to do, and will this get bigger? That's a big question. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo credited the president for his action. Uh, he said this to Fox News. Well, what you saw was uh, Iranian-backed uh, terrorists, many of them are individuals that have been designated terrorists by the United States and others, uh, coming to the American embassy and posing a risk to American uh, diplomats and personnel inside the embassy. You saw President Trump uh, direct a quick, decisive, prudent response uh, by making sure that we had all the resources necessary to keep our people safe and to secure the compound as well. And as we go into the evening tonight, uh, we're continuing to watch, we're continuing to monitor. As you know, Mike, uh, this is a a difficult place, uh, tough terrain. And so we continue to take the situation seriously, and President Trump and our entire team are watching it closely. All right, let's get some insight from an expert. James Phillips uh, joins me, senior fellow, as I said, uh, senior research fellow for Middle Eastern Affairs at the Heritage Foundation. And, And James, Happy New Year. Thank you for joining me. Welcome back. It's good to talk with you today. Well, thank you. Uh, your take on this? I mean, uh, was our retaliation, was our rocket, was our was our response to uh, the Hezbollah launch, uh, the, their rocket attack, was it proportionate? Uh, were we justified? Was it prudent? And what do you think is going to come from it? Yes, I, I think the the, the five uh, reprisal strikes were proportionate and necessary to reestablish deterrence because uh, U.S. officials have have said that in the last two months there have been 11 rocket attacks on Iraqi military bases where U.S. troops, uh, mostly advisors and, uh, and trainers, are located. And it only uh, was December 27th when Amer- an American was killed, and that's what precipitated the U.S. reaction. But I think, I think it was uh, definitely an unnecessary uh, policy response to those attacks in order to deter future attacks. Yeah, you know, I saw a report in the New York Times, and they reported earlier in December that basically Iran has been bringing short-range missiles into Iraq. Um, what's the U.S. doing about that? Anything at all? Well, I think the U.S. is is putting pressure on the Iraqi government to uh, stop uh, these Iranian moves, but it's very difficult because Iran works through these radical militias that it controls to undermine the sovereignty of the Iraqi government. Uh, And I think one of the upshots of this uh, embassy crisis is that the Iraqi government now faces a very important decision of whether it's going to continue to allow Iran to subvert uh, Iraqi sovereignty and allow Iran to turn Iraq into a satellite, uh, or it's going to stand up on its own and uh, join with the U.S. and countering Iran. So so how do you think Parliament's going to rule there? You think that this is a hotbed? They'll ask the U.S. to leave, or yeah, I'm sure we're intervening right now. Um, you know, leaving as I said before you joined. Uh, if we learn from history, when there was that vacuum there, ISIS was able to gain both strength and momentum. What do you see happening, and, and how do you think Parliament's going to decide? Or how, you know, what do you think that rhetoric's going to be like? 
Well, in the past, the parliamentary speaker, uh, Mr. Habasi, who was uh, a Sunni Arab who was opposed to Iranian domination, he has refused to to push this legislation forward. Uh, and I don't think uh, the parliament will immediately vote to uh, ask the U.S. troops to leave. Uh, but the danger is, is that I don't think this is a one's, uh, one-off act. And I think the these pro-Iranian militias are likely to continue their rocket attacks, uh, and the U.S. is likely to respond again. And over time, that could lead the Iraqi parliament to eventually uh, pull the plug on U.S. troops. So so the president toughened his his rhetoric uh, towards Iran on Tuesday. I mean, he basically came out and, and said, hey, you know, you're going to be held fully responsible for, the, for this attack by demonstrators on, on our embassy compound in, in Baghdad. Um, will we see retaliation for that as well? And, you know, the president's entering his reelection year. Um, any chance of escalation of a much wider conflict coming from what we're now seeing or you think this will quell? I think there is a chance of escalation and uh, Iran would love to get in uh, into a uh, you know to fight to the last Iraqi against the U.S. just as it has uh, tried to use Hezbollah in Lebanon to fight to the last Lebanese against Israel, and uh, you know this is likely to continue, uh, and it could lead to uh, future crises. All right, yeah, a lot of talk about a proxy war in Iraq, but. Uh... Let's pray for peace. Hey, Jim, thank you. Thank you for your time, for your insight. We'll continue to monitor this and see where it goes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. It's Jim uh, Jim Phillips, Senior uh, Research Fellow for Middle Eastern Affairs at the Heritage Foundation. And I and I would leave you on that point, too. You know, I, It's important to be informed on what's happening. And I also think it's important to pray for your president and for our leaders and for foreign leaders especially that come heads prevail you know that we sh- we should be praying praying for peace every day i pray for our country for protection over from degeneration from disaster from war and it's often a spa- you know a spark like this that could lead to a flame that could ignite into something much larger and i pray to god that does not happen so let's pray for peace and let's pray for divine wisdom stay with me when i come back as well let's change gears We'll take a look at what happened last year, kind of a year in review with some of the big news. The Holy Father making news over the holidays as well. Did you hear about the controversy over him slapping uh, some woman's hand? He did apologize for that. One of my colleagues here is a producer for uh, the Patrick Madrid show, and I had a conversation with him right before the show, and he had kind of an interesting insight on how people are responding to that. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of merit to it. I'll share that with you and more. Stay with me. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. A look at life you won't find anywhere else. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Here's a quick look back. The Catholic Church is formally changing its teaching on the death penalty, saying it should never be allowed. McCarrick has been defrocked, the ultimate punishment that the Church can impose. 
The Vatican announced this morning that Pope Francis will meet priest sex abuse victims during a weekend visit to Ireland. Pope Francis called this meeting to look at ways to better serve the indigenous people of the Amazon who face poverty, exploitation and the destruction of their homes. This video emerged this morning showing two men stealing indigenous fertility statues from a church near the Vatican and tossing them into the Tiber River. Knock it off! We're not stupid. This, this is an idol. The Archdiocese of New York says it will cooperate in transferring the remains of Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen from St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan to Peoria, Illinois. So the 21st of December beatification of Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen has been indefinitely postponed. The revelation of clergy sexual abuse of minors throughout the past year have provoked feelings of shock anger, shame, and deep sorrow throughout our Catholic community. This is the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Now. 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 Wow. Something else when you take a quick glance back over there. Just a short span of time, 12 months was a blur for me. 2019 zip by. I don't know how your last year was. I I hope I'm as blessed in 2020 as I was in 2019, that's for sure. But boy, the church uh, made a lot of headlines, didn't it? Um, from the persecution of Christians all over the world to the devastating fire that erupted and consumed a large part of the uh, the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris. That, that was such a tragedy when I saw that happening. Uh, of course, the Synod had uh, gotten a lot of attention. Uh, the Synod on the Amazon, of course, Pachamama. The statue ended up in the Tiber and the controversy that came from that. And, of course... Um, I think one of the most underreported stories last year, and I, I did my part at least to try to bring you up to speed on to keep it within your wheelhouse, was the persecution of Christians. I, I really do. I believe that was perhaps the most underreported story of the year, even though, you know, you know the name, you know, Aja Bibi, right? She was released from that Pakistanian prison. You know, she was sentenced to death for, for blasphemy initially, and we had covered that story for years. Um, she was released in January, was able to find refuge in Canada in May, and she's just one of the many who are on death row in that country because of their blasphemy laws. But Pakistan's not alone. You've got Nigeria and China and Russia and Sri Lanka and Syria and Iran and a whole bunch more. A lot of other countries all seeing these huge increases in the persecution of Christians, and I don't think it's going to end. And, of course, speaking of the death penalty, the Holy Father made some very significant statements regarding that. We've talked about that. And the Holy Father, you know, he made his trip to World Youth Day in, in Panama. And gosh, so much going on, right? So much going on. The German bishops held their held a national synod that, um, you know, could prove very interesting for the rest of the church. A lot coming up, too, we want to get into. I'm joined by Dr. Matthew Bunsen. We'll take a quick look at that, as well as this controversy surrounding the Holy Father slapping a woman's hand. Did you hear about that? If you hadn't, listen, you know, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed. But it's good to have... Dr. Bunsen with us. He's the uh, executive editor uh, at EWTN News. Of course, the faculty chair at the Catholic Distance University and a longtime friend of this program. And uh, Dr. Merry Christmas to you. It's great to have you back. Happy New Year, too. Same to you. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and all of your listeners. Well, so much. When I heard the retrospective my producer Jake put together, I'm thinking, man, a lot went on in nineteen <laughs> in, in, in 2019 when you think about it. But uh, very, this year, you know, uh, this past year was a different one for the church. And, you know, I just said, look, I think persecution is one of those underreported stories. And I know there has been reporting. NC Register does a great job there, National Catholic Register and EWTN and so many other groups. But um, 
I'm just curious as to your take on that as well. How pervasive is it? Is it getting worse around the world in terms of Christians and and what they're facing? I don't think there is any question that uh, the persecution of religion, of religious groups, uh, is not, as you made note, uh, not just underreported, it's overlooked, forgotten, and even downplayed. And if we look at the persecution of religion across the globe, the single, and this has now been scientifically proven, uh, the single most persecuted group in the world is the the Christian Church. Uh, This was documented uh, earlier this year in the release of a uh, report that was commissioned actually by the British government, uh, British Foreign Secretary, then Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt, and it was a commission that was headed by an Anglican bishop that looked at the situation for Christians and for religious believers uh, around the world. And what it found was that unquestionably, uh, the persecution of Christians has reached what they described as near genocidal levels. Mm. Uh, One in three people faces persecution for their religion, and Christianity by far uh, is the most persecuted of all of the faiths. And we're talking literally about hundreds of millions of Christians who face various forms of oppression, Uh, legal, social disabilities, uh, persecutions, silencing, uh, and we're seeing increases in anti-Christian hostility in the West, uh, even in places like the United States, Canada, and Western Europe that would have been considered unimaginable uh, just a few decades ago. Every year you do a... um You write a piece, I know you did one this year, and people can find it at ncregister.com, on some of the big stories. You did a 2019 review, Top National World and and Vatican Stories. In your opinion, what was the biggest story of of 2019? I think uh, that one is underreported, certainly. Uh, For the United States, uh, I think the clergy sexual abuse crisis uh, has been and remains the biggest story of the year, certainly for Catholics. Uh, we are seeing globally as well the, the, the crisis of the clergy sexual abuse crisis uh, for the Holy See. Uh, I think it's a series of crises. We have the Church's response, successful as it has been in many ways, but nevertheless the ongoing crisis of uh, sexual abuse that Pope Francis has been dealing with. We have ongoing efforts to bring reform to Vatican finances, Uh, And then uh, we have Francis himself, in a way, who is the biggest story of the year. Uh, With uh, his documents, uh, with his travels, uh, he remains, I think, really the the center of so much of Catholic news. I mean, if we look nationally uh, for the average American, I think one of the things that uh, we are seeing is the real struggle for pro-life. Abortion was uh, moving once more solidly into the very heart of American political life, where it needs to be, if we're going to deal with this from a legal and judicial standpoint and legislative standpoint. And then, of course, there's the political division in the country that I think was epitomized so uh, perfectly uh, by the impeachment of Donald Trump, whatever one thinks of the case against him. Uh, The decision to impeach him, I think, represents uh, a real political moment in the history of the country. Uh, And we have to go back all the way to the time of Andrew Johnson after the Civil War to find something that comes even close to this level of polarization. No doubt about it. I think uh, in the coming days, we're going to see more of that. Uh, 2020 will be an interesting year. Of course, the elections will take place this year as well. And that polarization, I think, will become... Uh, you know, even more visible, unfortunately. I pray it doesn't. i got to ask you, before we run out of time here, about an incident that sure. happened the other day with the Pope. 
Um, and yes. it's now, you know, that infamous situation of the woman grabbing the Pope's hand in St. Peter's Square, jerking him back. The Pope turns around, slaps her. There's these photographs now of, you know, they've captured this very angry face of the, of the Holy Father. You know, um, he apologized for it yesterday. A lot of people were blaming the Pope. Um, we don't know anything more about who this woman is, or at least I don't, or, or why she did it. And I found it interesting. The, the producer for the morning air show, Cyrus uh, Simcoe, said to me, he says, you know something? He says, this reminds me of what happened in Govington. He says, you know, when we saw the, when we saw the face of that young man, Sandman, who, um, was, looked like he was sneering at a Native American, you know, people wanted to punch the kids' lights out. But when they saw the true story, the big picture, they realized that that was not what unfolded here at all. And a lot of people are taking these snapshots now of the Holy Father and saying, look, this is how evil the Holy Father is. Look what he did. Give me your take and maybe just explain what went down and, and, and you know, how people view the Holy Father and, and, and ultimately what he did say in light of this. Yes, well, essentially the, the, the video went viral within a matter of minutes. Uh, it was quite striking uh, how swiftly this uh, circled the globe. Uh, the Holy Father was uh, doing what they call a bachamano. He was greeting pilgrims in line at, in St. Peter's Square, and an, uh, a, a woman pilgrim grabbed his arm, tugged him, sort of dragged him uh, to the barricade. And uh, he is 83 years old. He has a very bad back. Uh, if you look at the video, he was clearly in pain when she grabbed him, yep. and he responded. Now, he apologized for what he certainly considers to be a somewhat uncharitable response. But you're absolutely right. There was this video without really any context and photos, again, without much context, uh, captured what became a viral moment. And then, as always happens now with social media, the responses are immediate and at times less than thoughtful. And the Holy Father, I think, tried to deal with this as quickly as he possibly could in apologizing. We don't know what the, the woman said to him. But uh, his anger, I don't think, was in any way a response to something that she said. It was, I think, in more response to the moment. It demonstrates, again, that uh, even popes are human. Uh, And uh, all of us react in different ways, and all of us uh, react sometimes poorly to things. And the Holy Father, as I said, apologized to this. But I think it's also emblematic. uh, Your comparison to Covington is is an ideal one, in that sides immediately form on issues uh, Pope Francis is very much uh, a figure who divides a lot of people. Um, CNN's headline, for example, talks about the Pope saying that all violence to women must be discouraged, and this after he slapped a pilgrim in the hand. Indicative of where we are today, and I think we need to be very careful how we react to things uh, in social media. Well, Doctor, I look forward to going through 2020 with you. I always appreciate your insight, your analysis, and, and your expertise. Thanks for being with me today. Always. God bless. It's Dr. Matthew Bunce. I'll be right back. The Relevant Radio Studio line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. God bless you for all the work. This is the Drew Mariani Show. God bless you for all the work. Listen in to the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. The prayers that you have generated through the calls for the last number of years I've listened. Every afternoon at 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific, on Relevant, Relevant Radio. All right, it's great to be here with you. Happy New Year. 
about 26 minutes before the top of the hour. I hope you are doing well. As you just heard, we will pray the chaplet at the top of the hour, the first live chapel of the new year for you and me. So um, if you've got a special need, want or desire, you need to pray, you need some prayer, uh, we're here for you. love to do that for you, so just stay with me. I, I came across an absolutely fascinating story I have to share with you, okay? This, you know, and look, I, I have... Um, for the majority of my, my life have um, studied the apparitions of the mother of God. The fact that she has appeared across the centuries from the earliest days of the church uh, to the unprecedented outpouring of appearances in our own day. And, and we know, you know, you know, Fatima, right? You've heard of those apparitions in 1917 of the Blessed Virgin Mary, one of the most famous apparitions, perhaps of the past 2000 years of signs that accompanied that and the message and, what we saw happen in the 20th century and thereafter. Well, friends at the World Apostle of Fatima um, wrote an article, and it came across my radar, and they just posted it on their their website and social media sites. We'll do the same thing. So we'll link over to it if you go to at Drew Mariani Show or, or if you go to Facebook and you follow us at the uh, Drew Mariani Show, you can get plugged into this. Uh, it's a story about a little-known December 31st appearance of our Blessed Mother to Sister Lucia, who was one of the main recipients of those visions. That was 40 years ago. What did the Virgin say? And why now is it really coming to the fore? Why are we looking at this? 40 years ago, if if you go back in time just for a moment, uh, the church was just getting started, right? Uh, We had that uh, one of, I think, the most incredible Papacies, the 26-year-long papacy of St. John Paul the Great. I'll give him all those titles. He certainly deserves it. He was the pope of, of, of you know, the majority of my life. I grew up with him. Uh, he would bring really a certain stability to the church after the tumult that came you know, after the Second Vatican Council, especially after the Novos Ordo Mass was implemented in 69. But 10 years after that, 1979, was still a rather difficult time in the church. And it was causing Sister Lucia a lot of darkness in her soul. She struggled. She prayed. And this is a reoccurring theme that I hear over and over and over again. Uh, I, I heard it in, you know, gosh, especially today, the need to pray for our priests, our bishops, and our cardinals. You know, that's such an important prayer that you and I should be praying for. She was praying for them. You know, she was, of course, a nun. As a young girl, she saw the Virgin Mary with her two cousins. But what many people don't know is that she continued to have apparitions of the Blessed Mother. She had subsequent apparitions uh, on several occasions uh, throughout the span of her life. And, and one of those occasions was New Year's Eve, 1979. And she was in her monastery cell and she was praying. And she said in her diary, in my soul, everything was darkness and bitterness. But then something happened. And here to share with you that fascinating story, what it meant then, what it means now and how we should respond is Dave Carolla. He is a great friend of this broadcast, executive director of the World Apostolate of Fatima USA, a long, lifelong Blue Army member. And you can learn more about this great organization. I hope you'll get behind them at bluearmy.com. I really believe their efforts helped to bring down the Iron Curtain and defeat communism. And the, the Red Army was defeated, I think, by the Blue Army. And I think the message of Fatima is just as evident today. David, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and, and welcome. Thanks, Drew. Same to you. Great to be with you. Great Great to start be with the you. New Year.
Yeah, Happy yeah. New Year. Bring us back. This is fascinating. I didn't know about this December 31st apparition. I, it was off my radar. I saw the story when Barb Ernster, one of uh, your members, wrote about it. And uh, bring us back in time. What happened? Tell us about Sister Lucia, too. I mean, she did have subsequent apparitions. What happened? Well, this was written about in the book, A Pathway Under the Gaze of Mary, the book that we co-published with the Sisters of Coimbra, the convent of Coimbra, where she was for 50-some years of the 88 years that she lived after the apparitions. And it's so interesting, and I think it's, it's so appropriate because, you know, Sister Lucia was visited many times by Our Lady during her long lifetime. You know, you know she saw a glimpse of heaven in 1917 and longed to join her cousins in heaven. And think about that. You know, we have this hope and we have this, but are we as focused on heaven? She saw a glimpse of it. She knew and she was told, you will be there, Okay. You know, being here for all these years was difficult for Sister Lucia, and Our Lady came to her many times to console her, you know. And from the very beginning, you know, Our Lady had asked them, you know, in 1917, asked the children to pray for the Church and pray for the Holy Father. And, and when, for the Holy Father did not just mean the Pope of that day, it meant for the office of the Holy Father, it meant for the papacy. And, of course, here we were now, 40 years ago on, on Tuesday, uh, it was just amazing, and, and just going through the book, and Barb and I were discussing this, and my goodness, what you know, so appropriate at this time with the things that are happening in the church. But she prayed so earnestly for the church and its purity, and she saw the things. I think she saw Pope John Paul II now coming in, and she saw a man who was not only going to bring holiness to the whole, to the uh, continue, I should say, holiness in the in the papacy. But what he was going to do was he was going to do he was going to bring the papacy back into political relevance, and it was important because communism. They had been told about communism before it actually took root, and now she's 40 years, how many years later, she's looking at this and praying so hard for the church that had been so hard, so persecuted. And Our Lady appeared to her in her cell when this happened. And after she, as you as you touched on it, when she said she was praying in her cell and, and just earnestly with her head down, and then she felt a gentle hand on her shoulder. And Our Lady came to her and said, God has heard your prayer and sent me to tell you that it is necessary to intensify your prayer. He didn't say, don't worry, everything's going to be all right. right. She didn't say that. She said, intensify your prayer and your work for the union of the church, of the bishops with the Holy Father, and of the priests with the bishops to lead the people of God on the paths of truth, faith, hope, and love united in Christ our Savior. So important because because she was telling her, keep praying. There's so much to pray for in this church. And 40 years later, boy, doesn't that doesn't that ring a bell? Yeah, you're not kidding. It certainly does. It was true 40 years ago. I, I think it's just as true today, don't you, Dave? I think Absolutely. more than ever. I think we need to. And, and, and I know Our Lady said this, Sister Lucia, but we heard this in other places like Akita and and other reported apparitions where we need to pray for our priests, our bishops. And our cardinals, and I think, and you see the controversy over the Holy Father. We just heard from Do- Dr. Matthew Bunsen. The church really is in a state of turmoil. And if so- some have said it's, it's even worse today than it was back when Sister Lucia had this vision. So our ladies called to Sister Lucia for the intensification of prayer to work for unity of the church. I think it's something that we need more than ever. And, and, and the Blue Army is spearheading a campaign to, to help bring about that change, aren't they? 
2020, the campaign for the church, and it just we're calling it the campaign for the church. This is not, say, so many prayers in so many days and all of that. Right, That's right, beautiful. Right. Those kind of things are wonderful. But we're asking people to just double down in the prayers they're doing. You know, you know, pray the angel prayer, consecration of the Mass, before the Blessed Sacrament. You're giving honor to the Blessed Sacrament when you do that. You know, prayers of reparation to Jesus in the Eucharist for the way he has offended and neglected. You know, and implore the conversion of sinners. You know. The rosary, pray the rosary. But, you know, don't just pray a rosary if you can. You know, pray more than, there's more than, there's 20 decades to the rosary. Nobody says you have to stop at five, right? <laughs> so no, right. continue on. I mean, I think we have to double down. That doesn't mean we do, we still have our lives, we still have, but when you get in the cars instead of turning on a radio, grab the rosary. Mm-hmm. You know, pray that pardon prayer that the children were given. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee, and I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love. See, this is, these are the things we're asking God to, 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 to take over the church again, you know. We were asking people to commit at least a holy hour every week if they can. One hour, our Lord said in the garden to the apostles, could you not watch one hour with me? Think about that. I mean, one hour, I mean, if you can just, if you can give one holy hour a week, just think of the how efficacious that would be. You know, the first Saturday devotion, that's the part of the Fatima message that has not been fulfilled. The, 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 the preparation on the five first Saturdays, or five, five first Saturdays of the month. Now, of course, don't stop at five. We ask you to keep going. You know, double down on, on, on the devotion to the Sacred Heart on First Friday. We've got a First Friday coming tomorrow. I mean, you know, this is, these are the Immaculate Heart and the Sacred Heart are, are integrated. They're, they're, they're integrated into one. You know, attend mass as often as you can. I try. I try to go every day. I mean, there are days I don't make it, and I and I feel like I'm hungry, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Because because the more you receive communion and make reparation to God by that, these are the things that our Lord wants. And the grace for the church and for the country. Uh, you were touching on the political situation. You're, you know, and when you look at the political divide in our country, doesn't it have a lot to do with with the with the issues of our time, such as abortion and that? I mean, so we we are, we're fighting. The same battle, be it in a political realm or in the, in the spiritual. You know, offer up your sufferings, the little things that I'm not very good at offering up. I'll be honest with you, I blow my cork first and then I realize I was supposed to offer that up, you know. <laughs> but we, we are who we are, Drew, you know. And, yeah. and, you know, try to overcome these habits of sin. These are, these are all the things that we're, we're asking people just to remember. Nothing new here. But think, you know, it's like the saints, you know, double down in times of turmoil, as we said in our article. They didn't walk away. We have to be there. We have to carry through this story about the Holy Father, and I was I was watching that and, and reading yeah, right. it. And yes, it does. It's a bad optic. Let's be realistic, yeah, okay? Right. But you know, but the reality is, you pointed it out in, in your in your interview before. You know, it's an 83 year old man. You know, somebody goes and yanks your arm. Maybe, yeah. maybe you know, sciatic and a bad back. I'd respond the same way. Tell me about it. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe the response wasn't quite right, but who knows? I mean, yeah. you know, we have human. to. He's human, exactly. And that's the whole point. The priests, the, the pope, the cardinals, the bishops, the priests, they're human beings. And, if they, and even if they, if they don't live up to something, isn't that maybe more of an indictment of our society and who we are who have not properly prayed for all of them? Yeah. You know, I think that's really what, that's what we have to remember. We're an apostle of prayer. 
You know, when you go to our website, BlueArmy.com, you're going to find, you know, resources for prayer and how to become certainly a member. That's wonderful. But our, our membership primarily is, is prayer and penance. You know, yeah, are you awesome. willing to offer your lives in prayer and reparation, which is what Our Lady asked the children and us through the children? You know, it's a simple Dave, you know, I, I, and I've had this conversation with you before. I do believe that the Blue Army, this campaign of prayer and penance, First Saturdays, that whole devotion. I really think it helped to feed a great evil of the 20th century. It helped to disengage without any real bloody conflict, without a bullet being fired. The, the Iron Curtain, it collapsed, and communism, as we, we know, it kind of vanished. Not that it's completely gone in the world, but, but it no longer is that menacing you know, threat that it, it once was. And I believe the Blue Army was so key. You often say the Blue Army helped to bring down the Red Army. What, yes. what kind of results, what kind of fruits do you expect to see from this campaign? Because personally, look, I'm with you on this. I am such a believer in the power of prayer and sacrifice, prayer and penance. That was the message that came out of Fatima. You know, I, I've asked people to join the Divine Mercy Intercessors. It's just something I've asked people to do here at the network to, to pray, even outside of the chapel of Divine Mercy. We pray every day for each other. Yeah. And if you can offer a sacrifice or go to the to do adoration or just remember in a small little prayer, it makes yeah. a difference. These things are cumulative. God hears these prayers, and they affect change. They bring about change. Uh, you know, if you have people praying and, 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 and doing penance and going through the litany of things you just, you know, you voiced, what do you expect to see? What, what, do, you, what do you hope to achieve from this campaign? You know, I, I like to look back at what people ask. What was the fruit of the centennial? We had the beautiful centennial two years ago. What was the fruit of that? I think the fruit of the centennial was an, an opening, an awareness, and it was eye-opening. Look at what happened in 2018 and 2019. It wasn't pretty, but we saw a lot of things that we didn't think we were going to see, okay? You know, I believe that God opens your eyes when you pray like this and you, in these kind of campaigns and opens your eyes so that you do something about it. Okay, you know, you know, our founder, our co-founder, Monsignor Colgan, you referred back to this, to the Blue Army and the work and 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 and, and its integral nature in in maybe bringing down mm-hmm. the communists. But our co-founder, Monsignor Colgan, called for a Blue Army of prayer to counter the Red Army of atheistic communism. And atheistic communism is what yeah. this was all about. Okay, it wasn't asking to bring down an economic system, although mm-hmm. that was all part of it. But it was the atheism. It was taking God out of the equation of life. Right. And you know, and when when our when our founder, when our co-founder John Hafford worked with Sister Lucia, put together the pledge, we think twenty million people signed that around the world. We're told we don't we don't have exact. Right. Well, I think we just uh, I just lost Dave Carolla there. Interesting, and this sometimes happens. You know, in the middle of a conversation, when you are talking about uh, you know, when you're talking about things that are spiritual, things that bring about change. I, I always marvel. I don't like to read too much of the things. I don't believe, you know, the devil's behind every door and under every rock and around every corner. He certainly is your enemy, and I don't want to diminish that. But I've seen so many times when there are things that he detests, things that he hates, things that he knows will bind him, like the power of the rosary, uh, the power of adoration, the power of penance and sacrifice, you, you know um, he is not happy about those things. So let me just do this for you. And, and my apologies to Dave Carolla, the uh, the president there of the World Apostle of Fatima. Um, you know, if you go to their website, if you go to my – actually, do this. Go to Facebook.com, keyword The Drew Mariani Show, or go to uh, our Twitter page, at Drew Mariani Show. You will find – 
a link, and it will bring into the story of the apparitions of Sister Lucia. These that took place 40 years ago. Not everybody, these are not popularly known. I just really, it came to, to my attention recently, and I thought, boy, we should talk about this. And there's a campaign of prayer that I think will help bring about change. David, I have a few moments for you. So some final thoughts. For you. I, I was just yeah. making a comment when we got disconnected. So bizarre when we mm-hmm. when we deal with things that, that Satan hates, you know, and that affect change. <laughs> he's the he's yep. the he's the Lord. Uh, you know, he's he's got these uh, the powers of of this world, of course. And I think he does. Have you yeah. suddenly vanished as we're talking about you know <laughs> a campaign that will certainly help defeat him? I just find it that will. interesting, but but some final thoughts from me, if yeah. you could, uh, on on the campaign and, and what you're hoping to achieve, and yeah. and uh, where I, we I go think we're here. just hoping to. It's it's just we need we need to support our bishops and priests. Okay, yeah, you know, I mean, it, everybody has criticisms, and and some and certainly a lot of the criticism is, is warranted. I'm not I'm not trying to you know put a, a brush over it here, but the reality is. It all falls back on us. It all falls back. We are an apostolate of prayer, and we are a people of prayer. And we need to bring about holiness in our society, in our families, in our in our world, all in general, in politics, in 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 the church. It all comes from us. I mean, the, the, no matter what the priest in the church, if the people don't accept it, it's not bringing. We're not bringing that holiness. We have to accept it. We have to be as those little simple children of Fatima. And the other simple child of Fatima, Sister Lucia, who who, who remained childlike for eighty eight years. Yeah. Okay, you know she may she may have grown old, but not in her spirituality. And that's the key for all of us to remember that that we have to stay we have to stay holy, and we, we, we have to strive for that holiness. Okay, whether we're whether we're a child with the simplicity of a child. Or we are the um, you know an el- elderly person, people who are in their later years, and they've been dragged down oh, by the wow. world. You always have pray the road that rosary is it is the weapon. Padre Pio called it that, and it truly is a weapon, and it will bring about the conversion of this world. I have no doubt about that. I'm with you, and yeah, I got to I want to compliment you too, personally, because I I know you and I know how tireless you have been. Barb has been so many who work at the World Apostle of Fatima. It's hard. And, and yet you've continued to promote the message of prayer and penance and everything right. our ladies asked us for, because this is not an apparition that has lost relevance with time. I think as, as oh, uh, no. the world has become more divided and Satan has become right. more aggressive, we need to respond yeah. to our lady's universal call, her eternal call in some yeah. respects, uh, with, with even greater passion. Uh, you know, one other interesting thing, you know, everyone's familiar with the series of visions took place in 1917. Some people don't know that Sister mm-hmm. Lucia, she died very, you know, she was old. She was, what, in her 90s when she passed away, right? Am I correct? She was. She was in her 90s. And yes. she, she Our had... lady said to her, you're going to be in. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Our lady said what? Our lady said you're going to be here a while longer. Well, that was a long time, a while, 80-some years. <laughs> it I guess... makes you think of eternity, doesn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, from the perspective of eternity, what's 90 years amongst friends, right? <laughs> exactly. But she had, she, exactly. had, she had subsequent apparitions after that, right? She had a couple of visions. She did. That's amazing. I believe she had she had many. Some that were spoken about, like yeah. the first Saturdays, like the devotion in 1925, 1929. Of course, the, when she received the first Saturday in Ponte Vedra in Tui, Spain, those are well known. But many came, she had many consolations over the years, like this consolation yeah. that she got in 1979. And, and the reality is, it wasn't really a consolation. Right. It was to the point where Our Lady put her hand on her shoulder and said, I'm here. Yeah, but cool. your mission continues. 
she was an old lady by then. Your mission continues, okay? <laughs> you know, and and that's really what it's all about. Our mission will continue, yeah. you know, because just like just like cutting off our telephone call a moment or two ago, you know, the devil is going to until the last person breathes their last breath on earth, yeah. he's going to fight for the ruin of souls, okay? Yeah. And our job until we're done is to fight against that. And yeah. that's simply what you know, what we're supposed to do. Well, Dave, thanks. Thanks thanks for what you're doing. If people want more info, what's your web, what's the best website to connect to you? You know, bluearmy.com is the best. There's many resources on there. It'll get you all around on our, on our shrine events here in New Jersey, on our, our statue tours throughout the country, our pilgrimages, everything we're doing. It's all in there. Hope it's well navigated and, uh, and just, Please join us. Get in there. Sign that pledge. That pledge that goes back to 1947, developed with our founder and sister Lucia. Yeah. Sign that pledge. Get on her. Pray to, to you know offer your life in reparation for sin. And believe me, the things that will everything be solved in your life afterwards? No, it won't be. But what will happen yeah. is that you will understand the things that the, the the prayers that are answered the way you want, yeah. and sometimes why they're not answered the way you want. Well, David, you know, thanks. Hey, prayer removes mountains. Have a Merry Christmas, okay? Enjoy the rest of the season. I will, because this is the beginning of the Christmas season. We will, Drew. You got it. God bless you, too. David Carolla, he's the, as I said, uh, one of the great, great leaders there at the World Apostle of Fatima. He's been uh, for years now um, trying to champion the great message of our Blessed Mother, and I'm always grateful to him. He's executive director there. And uh, check him out. BlueArmy.com is the best way to connect. Uh, a pretty interesting story, though. How our lady, uh, Sister Lucia's head is down in prayer. And imagine feeling the Blessed Mother tap you, touch your shoulder. You turn your head, and there she is. What an experience. Hey, I want to bring you up to speed on one final thing here, and then we'll pray the Chapel of the Divine Mercy coming up. Uh, every year around this time, Jake is normally not with me. He normally goes to the Fellowship of Catholic University students. They're based in Denver. They hold a student leadership summit. Uh, this year is actually in Phoenix and uh Relevant Radio's Kaylin Green is there. We'll talk to her in a quick second. But, Jake, you didn't go this year, did you? I was surprised. Yeah, so the conference is, like you said, uh, normally around the Midwest. So the fact that it was in Phoenix this year just didn't work out travel-wise. And, of course, it happened around New Year's Eve. Yeah. So wasn't wasn't able to make it out. But really happy that Kaylin from the Patrick Madrid Show was able to represent Relevant Radio along with Beth Groshek. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just a wonderful conference. And I, I don't know, Cameron will be able to talk about this. I don't know how many students have been there this year, but I know that years that I've been there, it's yeah. been between like 15,000 and 17,000. That's where for we the, first met. For the SEEK conferences. Yeah, I met you, Drew, and that's initially how I got connected to Relevant Radio. So Focus has had a great effect on my life. It's really reminded me that, yeah. you know, there are college students on fire for the faith. In fact, Kaylin is joining us right now. She is there in Phoenix, and uh, I want to thank her for taking time to stop by as well. Kaylin, thank you for uh, joining us. Happy New Year to you. Merry Christmas. Hi, Drew, and hi, Jake. Good hey. to talk to you guys. Yeah, it's good to have you here with us. Hey, um... First of all, uh, give me the lowdown. What's happening there? How many people showed up? When I first went, and I met Jake many, many years ago, the network sent me on location to do a live remote, and I was so taken back when I went to Mass, and I think there was probably 10,000 students there, that particular uh, you know, uh, focus conference, and it gave me great hope for the future. What's going on this year in Phoenix? How many yes. people are showing up? Uh, give us an update. Yes. So it's interesting because, like Jake mentioned, at the SEEK conferences, there were like between fifteen and 18,000 students typically. Uh, but I had a couple students come up to our relevant radio booth um, that said this was their third and their fifth times. There were two girls, third and fifth times attending 
the focus conferences, but that SLS is a little bit smaller because it is um, more leadership-based. So it's really the students that come back that are really serious about making disciples and evangelizing. So right now, um, the numbers they're estimating is about eight to 10,000 people. Wow. That's awesome, though. I mean, it's inspiring to see that many college students on fire for the faith. Look, it gave me hope for the future, and I know it'll give uh, others the same thing. Uh, Relevant Radio is new to a lot of people, or do do some of the students there already know about us? Yeah, yeah. there's been a handful that haven't heard of us. Uh, there's been a handful of students that come up and say, oh, my mom has you on all the time. <laughs> and then there has been a handful of uh, students that, that do listen on their own, and um and and uh, they listen either on the app or in their area. So, um, and we've also had a couple testimony stories. There was a, a guy named Mark from San Diego who actually shared with us just how much Relevant Radio helped him in a time when he was feeling very alone um, in college. And so he he credits Relevant Radio um, for helping him. And he's actually shared with us he's going to plan to join the Oblates of St. Mary oh, after wow. learning about them through Father Matthew um, and the Oblates of St. Joseph. So Relevant Radio has really made an impact, and uh, I'm glad that we're getting more awareness um, for the students who haven't heard of Relevant Radio. It's a small world, isn't it? I always marvel at how God um, uses this particular network. Now, if people want more information on the Focus Conference, how can they get connected? Uh, or if they want to learn more about Focus in general, what would you recommend? I think their website is focus.org. I should double check that. Maybe Jake, you can check that quick for me. Um, but they, they actually have their own app, which has been cool to help people, um, stay on schedule with the speakers here at the event. But yeah, I'd say go to focus dot com or dot org and um, you can learn more about it is dot org evangelization jake's tell me it's dot org so hey caitlin thanks good job with uh, patrick every morning keep up your great work there representing us and happy new year thanks so much you guys all All right right. that's caitlin that's caitlin green straight ahead the chaplet of divine mercy it'll be our first live chaplet of the new decade that's pretty cool huh stay with me i'll be right back